It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, thankfully, it's Friday, and headed into uh, Memorial Day weekend. In fact, we have a uh, uh, great show coming up uh, for Memorial Day, but uh, we got a great show today. Fridays, we uh, always like to, uh, even even on a kind of drizzly Friday morning like it is today we like to start the weekend off early and shine the spotlight on uh, oh some different and interesting things and very often arts and entertainment related and we have a musical guest today we're going to hear music from and talk with ross mead songwriter who's uh, uh success is is growing exponentially and we're going to talk with ross a little bit about his music and what's going on with gigs and all that kind of stuff and then uh, that's in the third half of our three-hour tour and uh, a great way to to start the weekend early but uh, we're not going to wait until 11 o'clock to start the weekend early um we're going to start out today talking with uh, author Shelley Brown, author of Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z, and that's going to be uh, a fun conversation. And then in the middle, sandwiched in the middle of uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner program, we have a very different uh, kind of a conversation. We're going to talk with the uh, 
with a foreign, a retired foreign service officer who uh, uh, served under uh, President Barack Obama from 2012 to 2016 as uh, the United States ambassador to the Republic of the Marshall Islands. And he's got a new book out called How to Become an Ambassador. And if you ever thought about uh, traveling the world or working in the Foreign Service, the book is kind of a, it's literally a how-to book about working in uh, Foreign Service. Anyway, he's an interesting guy with some interesting stories, and we'll have a lot of fun with that. And whenever you're listening to the Tom Sumner program, and, and we refer to, uh, an interview we've done that maybe you missed you can always go to our website and uh, look for the archive and and search the archive and uh, find hour by hour all the uh, interviews that we've done over the last several months we're going into our 14th year we've got a little fundraiser going on facebook please uh, go to my facebook page and and uh, drop a drop a coin if you can um anyway we're gonna we're gonna move right on and uh, get a little bit weird up next with author shelly brown author of weird girl adventures from a to z Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and as we kick the weekend off early, we're going to start out today with a little weird. And uh, to help me with that, I have joining me by phone the author of a new book called uh, Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. Her name is Shelly Brown. She joins me by phone. Hi, Shelly. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. I'm so honored to be here. It's weird and wonderful. Uh, you know, I was so surprised to read that you spent 25 years in corporate America. <laughs> so am I. How, <laughs> but how, I did. How, how do you last that long and, and not lose your weird? Well, it's funny. Like a lot of people in this in this world, in the world of work, we wore a lot of masks. We were one person in our outside life, one person at work, and... When the two sides collided, that is where some of the discomfort happened in in my career. But, yeah, it was basically, you know, I, I was a successful corporate person, but really kind of masked in some ways. You know, it's funny when you talk about the different roles we play for many years. I had a day job that required a suit and tie, but I was playing drums with bands in clubs at night and on the weekends. And there were times when I would, you know, work late at the office and have to drive straight to a gig, and I literally changed my clothes in the car. That that is so funny. And, and, you know, you talk about, you know, shifting gears and, and taking the mask off and becoming someone else. I felt like Clark Kent running into a phone booth. That's so funny. But you know what's so interesting, Tom, and and you can tell me if you agree. People, even though I may have felt like I was wearing a mask, the people who really got me got me, and they were able to see whether it was outside of work or at work, the quirky, funny, creative sides of me that I kind of felt were sort of shut down in, in my day job. 
but people people who really saw the authentic me knew those things about me, even if I was trying to hide them. You know, that's interesting. I, I had a chance to uh, interview um, Nolan Bushnell, and I, I don't know if you know who that is, but he was the uh, founder of Atari. Wow. And uh, and also Chuck E. Cheese, parenthetically, but as it, <laughs> as it turns out, that was just a, a whole chain of places that bought Atari products. Um, but he wrote a book called Finding the Next Steve Jobs. Mm, I've heard of that book. And in it, he talks about how corporate America makes a big mistake by placing too much uh, emphasis in the uh, recruitment process uh, and interviews with um, a person's resume and their credentials and not enough on just getting to know the person and if they're a good fit. And he said it's I, it's more important to don't ask a person, you know, where they went to college. You, you got that on the resume. Ask them about what they're into. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think there's that anybody who's seasoned anymore. I mean, of course, resumes go through through the talent system, you know, and catch keywords and SEOs, but anybody who has any, you know, amount of humanity in them will not sit there and read off of a resume. And I think that because people have a lot of different choices of where they are going to work and people really, their desire is to be authentic at work. That's not to say fly your freak flag, that to say that people want to belong and and have a sense of agency at work um and i think that anybody who is looking to bring somebody on they can't just pretend like it's a cultural fit just because they say their cultural culture is something that that it's not i mean there really has to be a deeper dive into making sure that these relationships have much more of a human element because especially after 13 months of being able to be more of who you are at home and people returning to work, people are going to be seeking out the opportunity to have more alignment with how they get to show up at work. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you sort of parenthetically referenced the, the pandemic and this whole being... Uh, uh, quarantined and isolated at home for a year plus and I, it, it makes me wonder do you think uh, that there's a lot of pent-up weird and that the new normal is going to be really odd <laughs> so weird means both I love that question Tom and you're amazing so w- weird means odd and fascin odd or fascinating my definition of weird are the thoughts and the feelings that we believe separate us that are actually our greatest connection to one another. And I think that the pandemic has not made us more weird, but allowed us to be our own more authentic, weird selves without as much apology, you know, because we're doing it from home. So I think that this desire to be seen and to feel belonging 
is probably, and this is my theory, it's, it's probably grown exponentially just because we want the connection and we want to be able to continue exploring who we really are in, in the context of our lives. I was reading something about your book, and it said that, you know, Elon Musk and Lady Gaga, Andy Warhol, were all people who were considered weird, but that's exactly what made them stand out and and reach the the level of notoriety that, that they have. Um, tell me about the book Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. Are you the weird girl? <laughs> I am the weird girl, and <laughs> I am. And, you know, I, I have this theory that when we're young, many of us have an experience where we kind of self-assess and say, oh, my gosh, I am so weird. And it's usually <laughs> because we're judged, right? Like, our weird doesn't know it's weird until it's judged. And when that judgment happens especially at a young age, we can put it on like it's the itchiest, scratchiest wool sweater in summer heat. And some of us don't know that we can take it off. And so we wear this like horribly itchy sweater of, of feeling like we're weird and separate for years and even decades. But then when we begin to allow our weird, you know, allow our weird, the thoughts and feelings that we believe separate us, when we begin to let it just be there, that's really when we connect with others. And that's really the things that, that's really the way that we can serve others, you know, in our work. Um, and just being of service in general is another human, as a fellow human being, when we, when we just allow ourselves to be who we are. One of, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite weirdos was uh, comedian Steve Martin, and he told. I a, love him. He, he told a joke um, about being asked how he could be so funny, and he said before the show each night he puts a piece of bologna in his shoe, and so when he's out on stage <laughs> he feels funny. <laughs> I love that, and I, I love. I mean, Steve Martin's a great example of. Somebody who's very thoughtful, very genius, and very, very much his own quirky, humorous self. Well, and and the thing is, is, is he understands weird in a way that most of us don't, and and a way that he can. Uh, spring weird on you as as a way to elicit a response in a, in a way that's that's pure fun i love that and yeah and and honestly i think that we are all weird different weirding it's kind of like the same dog different paws i have never met anyone who and i interview people all the time about what is your weird? When did you decide it was weird? How does it serve you? And how does it serve others? And nobody has said to me, Shelly, you know what? I, I'm not weird. There's nothing about me that's weird. There's something weird about all of us. And when we acknowledge that that is weird, there's, there's zillions of people who have some version, if not that same weird. 
More weirdness with author Shelley Brown straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. 
where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More weirdness with author Shelley Brown straight ahead. How did you learn to embrace your weird? Through pain and suffering. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I was yeah, hoping it I was mean, something way more fun than that, Shelley. Well, it it, beca- it became really fun. I mean, incredibly fun. But you know, it, I wore the itchy sweater for a few decades, and I was trying to make my identity outside of myself as an ultra marathoner, you know, as a as a enterprise technology sales executive, and in a lot of different ways. And finally, it just became very painful, and I just started writing and writing these observational stories, and also through the practice of mindfulness tapped into like this crazy creativity and I started drawing and writing more and and doing a lot more speaking and I don't have to use anything outside of myself to present myself and and connect with the world because I feel like I have something to give to the world now and so that's where the fun comes in you know I I can be quirky and weird and and people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. That was something I was thinking. So it is a lot of fun. Life's a lot more fun when you're just who you are. And and what kind of adventures took Weird Girl from A to Z? Oh, dear. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the book is called I Killed Barney. And a few oh, years ago, I was... Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure there's a lot of sad parents at the moment, but I will share this story with you very quickly. I had decided to dye my hair purple because it was a time where I was working virtually and I could add my hair whatever color I wanted. So I had my hairdresser come over and put purple dye on my head, and he told me to wash my hair in 45 minutes. And what happened was in 45 minutes, I went in the shower and was washing my hair and I opened my eyes and the Barney's DNA was splattered all over the shower and my body was purple. And I'm like, Oh my God, Holy smuckers, grape jelly. And I got out of the shower and I was literally purple. My hair was the color of, of Kool-Aid, grape Kool-Aid. And I was like, Oh my God. And I thought I had a, we can re totally redo the bathroom and gut it because it was all purple. Long story short, I was able to clean the bathroom with bleach, wash my body with Tide. I went to another hairdresser to try to strip my hair. It turned an ugly shade of green, and I had to shave all my hair off. Oh, no. I've only known people to threaten to do that. <laughs> It was really awesome to walk around bald, and it was really, really freeing. You never know what you're going to look like bald until you shave your head. And, you know, to the people that don't have a choice in the matter about being bald or having to lose their hair, I have so much compassion for you. Um, I had I, I had an, I had an ex-wife, Shelley, that whenever she had a bad hair day, she would just say, I think I'm going to shave my head. 
I loved it so much, and I had to do an intervention on the supercuts people because <laughs> I would go in and they'd shave my head, and I was like, "Please, please don't let me shave my head anymore, please." And so, like, I'd walk in, and the and the five people in the black aprons are like, "You told us we couldn't shave your head, and that you had to grow some hair back." So that was one of my fun adventures. Do Do you have <laughs> a really cool hat collection? No, I just rocked my bald. Well, cool. <laughs> I have hair now, but but I rocked my bald, you know. And there there were other hair mishaps and dating mishaps and just crazy, funny stories of of just the ordin the extraordinary of the ordinary, Tom. And we all have, we all can see the extraordinary of the ordinary if we notice, because life is really funny. It it really is, and that's what makes this uh, this book and the whole idea of you sharing these stories so much fun. A- again, the book is called Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z by Shelley Brown, my guest this morning. And um, Shelley, you when you talk to people, both as as a writer and uh, when you go out and and do speaking engagements and so on. Um, you encourage people um, to embrace their weird and and allow it to come out in a way mm-hmm. uh, to generate personal and professional growth. Um, most people, like you described earlier, think of their weird as as that that itchy sweater on a hot summer day. Um, how, how do you get them to, to believe that being weird and being successful are not uh, mutually exclusive? That's a really wonderful question, Tom. Thanks for asking. The first thing that I'll say is when I share this whole idea about weird, the thoughts and feelings that separate us, that are actually our biggest connection, I don't assume that people can go from resisting, you know, I I don't like this about myself, this is really weird, I don't want to let anybody know about this, all the way to, I love this about myself, and I don't even use the word embrace, I use the word allow, and what I mean by that is when we notice ourselves using language towards ourselves that's resistant of who we are, like, I don't like this. I don't want anyone to know this. It's, it's resisting. It's resisting who we are. And so allowing is really sort of noticing the thoughts and the judgments that we have about the way we feel our, about ourselves and knowing that they're impermanent and knowing that when we allow we stand at the doorway to possibility. We don't have to like it. We don't have to love it. We don't have to embrace it. But we can find our joy without resisting and pushing away what is really a part of who we are, a part of our identity. So being in the place of allowing is a place of neutrality that makes everything else possible nothing is possible when we resist nothing's possible is it it the same thing as giving yourself permission well that's what allowing means it's to permit yeah so it definitely is it's it's giving yourself permission to have the thoughts and feelings knowing that they'll just that they will pass and and knowing that 
you don't have to succumb to the bullshit that other people are telling you. People can't go from A to Z in a second. People can't go from getting off the couch to running an Ironman without training. Yet all the messages in life, I, a lot of the messages, I call them bullshit. People telling us, you should love yourself. You should love your body. You should. You should always be never. All that language we can't get there till we can get there. So allowing is that first step that lets us make all the other things possible. We get to stand in choice. Now, the people that, that do that, that, um, you know, uh, what um, cover us in bullshit, how do we... How do we get them to stop doing that? We can't get anybody to stop doing it, but we can notice what it does to us. And when I say the word bullshit, what I mean is the space between where you are and where you think you should be or where others think you should be is a space of suffering that causes us should shaming. And so noticing our thoughts, when we're shooting ourselves or we're being told you should do something or you should be something or you should accept something, noticing what that does and, and being in choice. I, I don't have to should anything. You know, maybe I will, but I don't have to. But I was thinking, I, w I was on my way to asking how maybe we could encourage um, organizations and, and businesses to um, be more encouraging and more allowing of inclusivity mm. and individuality yep. and, frankly, weirdness. Well, it's interesting because thanks for, for clarifying that. There's a couple things. One, I do, um, I do, I am a mindfulness educator, and that's definitely one thing that, from a business perspective, implementing mindfulness as the foundation of self-awareness can help us all show up better together. And the other thing is, in terms of individuality, if we look at individuality as something that connects us and shift our mindset that individuality doesn't separate us, but it is something that connects us, that is the key to inclusion. That is the key to helping people feel Belonging, and there's a lot. There's a big difference between feeling belonging and driving inclusivity, putting strategy around inclusivity. And one of the ways that that I help organizations to shift that mindset is through an acronym using the word weird, which is welcome, engage, integrate, risk, and dynamic. And I don't know that we have time to go into every single one of those things, no. but go ahead. But, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting because it, it reminds me of a, of a, a day I, I, I stopped into a Taco Bell. Could have, could have been any place, but it was a Taco Bell. And <laughs> there were these two young people working behind the counter, and they, they had been cutting up. It was a slow day or a slow time of day, and I was the only person, customer, who walked in. And... um this young man was doing the Carlton dance from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> and he was tearing uh -huh. it up, and it was weird, but cool. And he looked a little embarrassed when he realized that I saw him doing the Carlton dance. Uh -huh. 
And and I remember thinking, I wonder what his manager would have said or done if he'd seen him behaving that way when a customer walked in. But I had the impression that the work environment was such that that probably wouldn't have been a problem. And I, and I, I walked out of there feeling better about the place, if that makes I sense. I love that. Oh, my God, I love that. I love that. You know, I can I can guarantee that people who feel a sense of belonging, people who feel like they're seen for their individuality, people who feel like they are heard when they express their point of view, people who are invited to share their perspective and, and who are included do their very best work. It reduces anxiety. It reduces stress. And obviously, it benefits all of the organizational outcomes because people perform better when they feel like they belong, when they feel like they have skin in the game. Is there an over-the-top weird? You know, I think it's, I think obviously in the context of work, there has to be some parameters. And I think it's up to each organization to define those parameters. But I also think that being open and flexible, and that's where the D of weird comes in, dynamic, being willing to change, being willing to rethink and redefine and be fluid about these things is really important. I mean, just even like less than 10 years ago, People had to cover up their tattoos at Starbucks, and you'd see all these people. You'd go in, and they'd have ace bandages on their arms, and it looked like everybody was injured because <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> that's its own special kind of weird. <laughs> I know. No, but, but, you know, and again, it's not just the aesthetics of weird. It's, it's the point of view. It's inviting everybody to have a voice, to have, you know, to have a, a perspective to to not to not put people in fear so creating that psychological safety creating a welcoming environment where preferences preferences are being being understood and being sought after and that's the way that we can help people and and allow their weird and be individuals at work it's funny when when you say work, you know what that implies to some people. And talking about people covering their tattoos, you know, to to put across a more professional image. When I hear the word work, I still think of those offices with the little cubicles where there was just barely enough room for a desk and a phone and and someone sitting there and a manager who would come around and do inspections to make sure you didn't have any inappropriate stuff on your desk. (laughs) It's not that much different these days. The difference is that there's a lot of metrics and KPIs and data, and those are really important people are in business to create revenues, right? People are people have businesses, companies are in business to make money. However, there's a balance because the human factor can be pushed down by this need to measure everything. And if we can balance out humanity with the measurement, 
so that people can perform at their best and also have well-being, that's when cultures can be successful. That's when human beings can feel that what they're doing matters, that they matter. Yeah, you um, talk, when you talk about uh, allowing people to have their own weird um, or or allowing themselves their own weird and and joining what you refer to as the collective weirdness of humaning. <laughs> I like that. I really appreciate it. I also think that, you know, we all have our own responsibility to do what we need to do to have a sense of agency because nobody else can do it for us. You can go to the greatest workplace ever, but we all bring our own baggage to the party. And so no workplace, no culture, no leader, no amazing organization can give you permission unless you give yourself your own permission to allow your weird. Well, there's, um, we're getting so close to the end. I can't believe how fast the time is going. I, 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 knew, this, I knew this was going to be a fun conversation, Shelley. But you do, uh, we've been talking about the book, which is Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. And, but you do a, a lot more than just the writing of this book. And I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have Thank a website? You. I do. It's called weirdgirladventures.com. Well, that's going to be easy to remember. <laughs> and I'm also on LinkedIn, Shelly Brown. I also... Um, I'm on Instagram, if anybody's on there, at Weird Girl Adventures. And be sure and, and put the weird in, because if you just type in Girl Adventures, I think you're going to get some really <laughs> weird uh, links. You might, you might, Tom. I, I have, I'm pretty confident in that. But yeah, so the book is really fun, a great summer read, short little essays that I've written over the years. And I also, you know, have my personal growth talk called what if weird isn't weird and then for organizations i have rockstar mindfulness i am not a weird a woo-woo mindfulness educator i am a rockstar mindfulness educator and then i also have a talk that i can customize called it's not you it's me how <laughs> individuality is the key to inclusivity um you know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, the the spinal injury that happened to you and how that cut short a, a life of running marathons and um, being very physically active and then having to deal with uh, impaired mobility and and chronic pain. Um, how did how, did that impact your weird at all? A hundred percent. So, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, I, I was making my identity 
about my physicality, about my success. I mean, we all we all kind of latch on to things to say, oh, I am a this, I'm a that, I'm a runner, I'm an executive, I'm a leader, I'm a wife, mother, husband, whatever it is, we, we tend to latch on to something as a way to self-identify. And running was the way I self-identified. Plus, I was a group fitness instructor. And when my vertebrae collapsed on the nerves going down my leg, I was thrown into fight or flight, couldn't work, couldn't walk, couldn't exercise, and had to deal with my own emotions just as, as they arrived. And so that really opened up my world to mindfulness, creativity, writing stories. It completely changed me. And what I love about that experience, as painful as it was, it gave me this big, huge, beautiful, amazing, weird life and a really powerful message that I get to share with the world. Yeah, but kudos to you for being able to see the canvas. Uh, I think we all have those stories in, in some way, shape, or form. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, Shelley, this has been uh, delightful. We have to, to wrap it up now, but thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and uh, a little bit of your weirdness with me this morning. It was my pleasure, and I have such a thing for drummers, and we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> but I'm so happy to spend time with you. Thank you, and thank you to your listeners. All right. Take care. You too. Once again, that was uh, Shelley Brown, author of Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z, and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <laughs> comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old fashioned radio.
This is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources.
The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. <laughs> Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key. Room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John, where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John, John, John! Blanche, 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 shut the door. There's a draft. Come out of that thing. All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow, my hand! Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow. I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on! Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I, I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. 
Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken down room? This is the elevator! <laughs> oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I'd hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven. I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shamed me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal a wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th, no children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. 
poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, help that they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John Bickerson! Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Gooseby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, honey, honey. Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night for? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John. Show. Oh, yeah. 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 